This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. With pedals like the Snow Day Delay, the Pep Rally Fuzz, the Trash Panda, and my personal favorite, the Science Fair, which is two classic dirt pedals in one with a mid-boosted overdrive on one side, a black lab rat circuit on the other, and a blend knob to blend between them to find the perfect classic stacked dirt sound you're looking for, it's hard not to find something you'll love. Mark builds all of his pedals by hand in Syracuse, New York, where he also works as a full-time educator. In addition to the super fun graphics on their pedals, Mark also offers custom artwork. Want your dog's face on a pedal? He can do it. Want your face on a pedal? He can make that happen too. Go over to summerschoolelectronics.com and make sure to tell them that 40 Watt Podcast sent you. 40 Waters, welcome to Season 2 of the 40 Watt Podcast. I'm super excited this season to bring you more guests, more uh, musicians, touring, uh, both touring and studio musicians, songwriters, more gear makers, gear heads, other people that we know in and around the industry, and hear from them, hear their takes, hear their experiences. I'm ready for that to happen, and I hope you are too. It's going to be a great season as we head into 2022. A um, couple of things before we kick off this episode. Uh, really appreciate all of you that have gone out and followed on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, Twitter. Those of you that interacted, joined the community, joined in the live uh, streams that I've started doing on Sunday nights on Instagram. Um, those of you that have gone to the website, shared us with your friends, rated and reviewed on uh, both on Spotify Apple Music on YouTube. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Uh, especially, I want to say thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. Uh, you guys make this happen. Y'all make this really a lot of fun. If you want to find a way to support the podcast, here's how you can do it. There's some great ways you can do it. One, simply tell your friends about the podcast. Share the podcast with others. Get other people in this 40 water environment community that we started to build. If you want to get involved in a little more way, you can go over to patreon.com slash 40 watt podcast, where for uh, as little as $3 a month, you can support the podcast, help make this show happen. Know that you're helping me cut some of the overhead costs that doing this podcast costs me. For $5 a month, you will get an extra episode every week of the podcast. That's more interviews, more gear reviews, more insights into the music industry for $5 a month. Um, I, I can't tell you how much that absolutely means to me. There's other tiers. You can go on up from there. There's um, You can go up into the stratosphere up to the point that I'll give you guitar, music, keyboard, singing. And don't, you don't want singing lessons from me, but I'll give you lessons. We'll talk music theory. You'll get some of my time every month. Um, so go over to the website, 40wattpodcast.com. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast. You can find all the links, all the information there. And I'm really excited to get in this season. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 40 Watt Podcast episode I don't even remember anymore. Um, we're rolling on in season two here. I'm pretty excited uh, this week. So tell you a little bit uh, about our guest before we get started. Um, Glenn, who uh, from Mr. Glenn Pickups, Glenn Evans, um, 
reached out to me and got we got to talking about pickups because on Instagram I was talking about pickups and how I hate Strat pickups and I like I've had this like love hate with Strat pickups and so it's like hey let's have a conversation about pickups let's figure out what you want and then we're like let's make this a podcast episode because I feel like this is a good topic of conversation for a lot of people they're really into guitar some people turns out are really intimidated about pickups changing pickups I on the other hand was like oh you're gonna give me a piece of hot metal and i'm gonna melt metal and then i'm gonna put it in my guitar let me do that please you know i bought a cheap soldering iron started changing pickups and messing up potentiometers and all that kind of fun stuff so we're gonna talk about that um really excited glenn welcome to the show sir thank you very much thanks thanks for thanks for having me on um yeah, yeah. I'm excited to have. So where are we going to start? We're going to you're going to start talking about pickups. Yeah, well, let's let's start out first. Let's tell people who you are, how you got into what you're doing. Um, you know, let's let's do the the big picture. How you got into music? How you got into guitar? And then what made you want to start putting wire to magnets? Right. Um, a friend of mine played me ACDC's first album when I was 16, and it was it was it was the sound of Malcolm Young. That yeah. is, and that. And I was saving up for a motorbike. I bought a guitar, <laughs> and, that, and, that, and, that, and that was that. You know. Um, then obviously, I take stuff apart. People like me always take stuff apart. I always had, probably just as well. I didn't get that motorbike. Hey. Um, so, as, so, as someone up- who's had to rebuild a motorcycle himself, uh, yeah, no, it's not fun. I had to, <laughs> I, YouTube taught me to rebuild a carburetor on my motorcycle, and I got it rebuilt, got it running again. I rode it for about 5,000 miles and then sold it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm done. Oh, well, it ran. Well it done. It ran, yeah. I, 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 it rode and it went and never gave me another problem, but it was a pain. <laughs> Still. YouTube, YouTube is fantastic, yeah. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, so I played guitar, and then um, after lots and lots of mucking about, I decided to go and learn how to repair them properly. So I went to um, a college in the UK. Um, actually, I'm not quite sure what you call a college in the US. It might be a different, slightly different definition. It's, it's like a further education, something you would go and do after high school. Sure. College, university, so, we call it college. a little about. There you go. Um, so I went there um, as a kind of mature student. I was 27 when I did that, when I went there to learn making and repair. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, then bought a very, very scruffy little guitar shop in the north of England, um, which I did that up got the repair business going, um, then went back to the college and taught guitar making and repair for a couple of years. Shop got bigger. Ten years on, I sold the shop, spent two years playing the musical Saw on the streets around Europe, and then came to New New Zealand. Two years playing the musical Saw. Like, Mm. that's a a fun resume bullet point right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, special skills. Yeah. yeah. Drive a car, do that. I can hypnotize chickens as well, but anyway. Um, that's, a, so, that's a totally different podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I've, and I've, I've taught my, my daughter or when she was six, I taught her to hypnotize chickens thinking <laughs> it would look really good on a CV whenever she applied right. for a job. <laughs> Cause you'd give her an interview, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Cause I want to know that story. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to hear that story. Yeah. And you secretly want to know how to hypnotize chickens. I mean, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. no, I can't. I, I'm sure there's a purpose. I can't imagine what it is. It's sort of like, 
it I think about um I'm I'm a fan of the show Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you're into it. It's mm. it, a lot of got a lot of haters on that show, a lot of lovers on that show. I I like it. But when Mayim Balik uh auditioned for the role, she had sent in her, you know, her actor's resume. Here's the things I've been in, here's the roles I've played, here's other things about me, and underneath other things, like she couldn't find somewhere else to put this. Um she's like PhD in neurobiology. <laughs> it's like, and like when they got her in there, the first thing they asked her is, is this real? And she was like, yes, that that's a hundred percent real. I have a PhD in, you know, n- neurobiology. And they were like, you're on the show. Also, you're going to be one of our science fact checkers. <laughs> it's like, make sure this is Brilliant. right. Yeah. So you yeah, want to, yeah. you, you see that odd item, you got to know. So like playing the musical saw and hypnotizing chickens, that's going to get somebody's attention. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't find much use for it these days, but there we are. You haven't hypnotized so the chickens into running the shop yet? No, no, when you hypnotize a chicken, it becomes completely useless. <laughs> they just they just kind of lie there in a daze, and just at the point where you're thinking, oh, heck, I've done some damage here, um, they just wake up and go, oh, oh what was that? Wow. So, yeah. that, now that's a story. Mm. Yeah. Mm, for, for another day, maybe. Yeah, for another day. Sorry, listeners, you're going to have to do without that story for today because we have bigger fish to fry or chickens to broil or something. Mm, something, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, anyway, came to New Zealand, started a repair business. I'd always made pickups. This is from about 1995. I'd always wound pickups. And, um, and then was doing it more and more and it had and was from 2012 on i started developing these designs using because yeah, i got access had access with repairing i had access to a lot of really good professional players who were fantastic test pilots yeah. so i started producing getting a range of pickups then and then when covid happened to like two years ago i started taking it really seriously stopped repairing guitars just making pickups oh wow yeah, yeah. so that's a so you said from ninety five on you've been making pickups already so mm. you you've got you've got uh, let me do my math twenty seven years now of making pickups right and so just yeah. in the last two you've decided no this is what I'm doing just going to do the pickup thing um I'm I'm curious because my new my New Zealand knowledge is um they filmed Lord of the Rings there I'm going to be real honest that that's what I know about it so. Um, mm. I, and I know it's an island. So how how prolific is like the guitar gear industry in New Zealand? Like, are there a ton of builders that we just don't know about? Maybe don't hear about as much in the U.S. or in the U.K. Or um, I, I'd imagine there are some. Mm. Um, there's a couple of really good electric guitar builders, um, Archetype Guitars and Hammerana Guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find them both on Instagram or wherever. Um, there's quite a few pedal builders. You'll have heard of Redwich. Pedals, yeah, yeah, of course. There, I there did not realize they're in New Zealand. No, people don't. Now, Ben's, but yeah, Ben's down in Wellington. Um, there's a couple of other fantastic makers. Um, Peppers Pedals, he's doing well in the US. Um, big noise amplification, Monarch Pedals. I'm going to miss someone. Firehorse Effects. Okay. So there's, there's yeah, there's lo- oh, the crowd, the hot cake. Oh yeah. The hotcake, of course. I, I was literally just looking at hotcakes on Reverb today because I do not own one, and I'm like, I, I really need one of these. Like, they're good. They, they say that like that is the pedal 
to put into an AC-30 to turn it into a fire-breathing monster. Like, that's the <laughs> that's the pedal to awaken AC-30s. Now, I don't have an AC-30, but I do have a divided by 13 that's based on that AC topology. And mm. so I'm like, I, I need one of these pedals. So mm. the, the price is really good. Yeah, the prices have really gone up on them, too, lately. Especially used prices are almost the price of new at this point. So, yeah. yeah. And, they're you know, they're all made here. Paul, I think he still signs every one of them. Oh, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're really cool. They're an absolute, they're an absolute legend. And most pedal boards you'll see here have got a hot cake on them. Oh, that's see, I love, I love hearing stories like that. And like, um, because the the hot cake is like so under talked about. Um, but it's like when you talk to folks who know, I know like uh, Daniel Steinhardt over on the gear, uh, the that pedal show gear page. I'm so sorry, Dan. <laughs> on that pedal show, he talks about the the hot cake all the time. He absolutely yeah. adores that pedal. Um, and I think Emily from get offset just did a, a TikTok talking about the, the Crowther hot cake actually. And that's what oh, had me. Okay. she did. I saw her TikTok, and that made me like, Oh, I haven't bought one of these yet. And I still haven't bought one yet. Cause I got to find money. You know, it grows on trees, right? That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. But no, and yeah. And they're still being made. Paul's Paul's around. He's a lovely bloke. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. He's a, he's a drummer actually, but. But really, we won't hold. We'll hold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we won't the hold. Dr- the drummer in split. You know, you know the band Split Ends. No, I don't. You're too young. You're too young. <laughs> it yeah. might be. But uh, anyway. yeah, it's and and I won't even make drummer jokes because you know we're we're an equal opportunity podcast. Um, you know, drummers drummers like gear too. Um, so mm-hmm. you you go back to New Zealand. You're making pickups. You last two years have been doing it seriously. You sent me a whole bunch of, of pictures of the pickups you're making. And I, I did a little reading on some of the stuff you're making. Um, cause I thought I knew pickups and we were talking in the, the pre-show before we started recording that I used to think I knew pickups. All right. I, I was on the, the Seymour Duncan forum for years. I've, I've been on the Seymour Duncan forum. I think I looked back in my membership. I joined in like 2003 and like I've, I was active on there for a long time until Facebook basically killed forums. Like it still exists, but people don't go to forums like they used to. Um, and it, like all the guys there are talking about, and, like it was super popular. You buy pickups. Oh, you buy magnets. Swap these magnets out. You know, you've got, you've got these strat pickups. Oh, these are all Alnico fives. You know, here's some Alnico three magnets you can swap in and out and guys doing that kind of thing. And I thought I had a handle on it and I don't. Turns out I don't. I really, I really don't. As I was looking at um, some other folks that make pickups, talking to Eric Daw over at the Fret Files podcast and Pinup Custom. He builds his own pickups for his guitars. Um, Zach over at Mythos has started winding pickups too, just for, I think he's thought about or is thinking about doing it seriously, but right now he's just doing it for fun, trying it out. And there's just so much more to it. And I used to be a Strat player. I, I was like a hardcore Strat guy. Um, I got a, a tattoo of a Strat on my arm because I was like, that was my guitar until I played a Gibson semi-hollow guitar and then it was over. And after that, it was just done. And so I've tried for years to go back to a Strat. I've owned a bunch of Strats over the years and I keep just getting rid of them because the pickups just don't do it for me or the sound of the Strat doesn't do it for me. Um, and... I've been told the pickups like that's the problem for me. Like I keep I most recent guitar. I've got the I've got a Mexican Strat that I Mexican made like 90 Strat that I put the Fender Pure Vintage like 59 set. I think is the set I have in there. I have the case. 
Um, they're not reverse wound, reverse polarity, you know, so there's no home canceling in the middle positions and I play noisy bars. And, um, so I ended up going to humbuckers a lot of the time. Um, so what, let's, let's start at strap pickups because that is, that's where my journey is. And that's sort of how this conversation got started. I know I don't like that sound that like fifties, late fifties, um, Non-reverse round, reverse polarity, it, it's tinny. What makes it like that brighter sound, and what can I do to sort of change it? Well, you change your pickups, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, yeah. that's clearly the thing that you don't like is the sound of it. You haven't mentioned feel or nope. anything like that about the guitar. It's All you've talked about is the sound of it. That's it. Um, what, and this is going to be an odd question. What, what do you feel about this the feel of the pickup of single coil pickups you know you know what i mean not not yeah. just the sound of it when you you know when you dig in you get that oh, a dynamic percussive thing that you don't get as much from humbuckers how do, how do you feel about that yeah it's it's like the front of the end the front of the note isn't as compressed you get a lot more transient in your attack in the single coil pickups mm. that's what that's the way i feel like it anyway um i like that because i like my favorite pickup is a p90 I love P90s. Uh-huh. And so it isn't a single coil versus humbucker thing. I, I like them all. I think they all have their place. But there's something about the sound of those Strat pickups and in other Strats I've played, they just, they've sounded thin. Like, I've gotten used, I think I've gotten okay. used to the P90 and the humbucker, and I can't get, I don't like, I don't want a Strat to sound like a P90, but I do want it to have a little more heft to it. Could you... And there's a reason for this. Yeah. Could you describe to me the sound of a P90? Uh, to me, it's a very. I, I I was playing. I was playing my 135. It's out of frame here, but um, 135 behind me. It's got Lindy Fraylin P90s in it. And I was playing it through my amp, through an overdrive pedal. Um, I think I was playing it through a Klon style circuit by Electromotive uh, Sound Company, and. That guitar, like playing the P90s compared to, say, humbuckers or even my Telecaster, that those P90s maintain the clarity of the sound better than my others do. Like, I have to, if I want to get the same sort of, like, furriness on the overdrive, I have to crank way more gain with those pickups than I do with any other guitar I've got. Um, my, my Nova also has P90s in it and does a similar thing. So it it's almost like they stay cleaner. They they push a frequency that those drive pedals aren't frying as much. They're not driving it as much. And so there's like okay. this mid-range thing that I really like in the P90s. So that's where I I find the character of the P90 is in that like upper mid-range. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported in part by String Joy Strings. I'm a snob, at least that's what people tell me. I'm never okay with good enough, and that's where Stringjoy strings come in. They're better than good enough. They're the best. Stringjoy are making some of the finest strings available today right up the road from me in Nashville, Tennessee. They offer custom sets, balanced tension, coated strings, the works. If you need it, they can probably make it happen. You should be using Stringjoy strings, and if you're going to order from them, you really could help this podcast out by clicking the affiliate link down in the description or show notes below. You get amazing strings, I get a little bit of that back to help the show keep going. It's a win-win situation. Get your Stringjoy strings today. 
Because the reason I ask is because people describe P90s very differently if they come at it from a humbucker side or a single coil side. Because humbucker people with who 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 have humbuckers as their standard will describe P90s as you have. They use words okay. like clear, the clearer and not as powerful and stuff. Whereas single coil people will describe them as fat and you know driving. Okay, which is funny, isn't it? It's the same pickup. It's, it's just you come at it from different angles. Yeah. Well, you don't get that 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 sort of dichotomy with humbuckers or single coils. People will tend to um, tend to kind of describe them in quite similar ways. Um, yeah, I would say yeah. You t- I think a vintage strap pickup is not for you. Um, they're not for me either, to be honest. They tend to be a bit pingy. Yeah. Um, and and that and that can be quite a harsh, cruel sound. It can be a bit. Um, unforgiving and i do admire people who can play with a clean strat sound because especially well, a clean telly sound yeah you know well, it just even- exposes all the all the rubbish bits that your right hand does that you don't want anyone to know about well even the telecaster um, pickups i don't get the same sort of like thinness and like yeah. razor that i get from like a strat and so yeah. i actually have this despite my love for Gibson guitars and my Novo. I still think the Telecaster is the perfect guitar. I I think Leo got it right the first attempt um, because I mean the guitar rolled out in like what 1950, 1951 as the Broadcaster, and we've basically left it alone for seventy plus years <laughs> because it's perfect. Um, well, yeah, it has been dicked with mine, hasn't it? I mean, there was yeah. you know the stick a humbucker in the neck oh stick two humbuckers in it do blah blah but it, it all comes back to yeah yeah that if if i if i could only choose one guitar for me to you know to have the rest of my life it would be my telecaster yeah there's something there's something about them they're the right it, amount of of like there's a lot enough gravity to the tone of them there's enough weight to it that they don't mm. feel just kind of small but they also they they get that clarity that you need if you want to have that kind of feel of like the the really present top of the mix kind of guitar sound, but they can also peel back and be meaty. Um, I used to I have a friend of mine, Marshall. Uh, I, I used to, he had a band and they were playing. I'd go and help with, you know, get his guitars in tune, restring them. If he breaks a string, the middle set, you know, I tech for him just a little bit. It doesn't feel right calling it teching because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I knew I was good at stringing guitars basically, but it was like, he was, he had this, whole sheet i'll say whole sheet this this order of if this happens do this if this happens do this he's like if i break a string on my strat give me the telecaster if i break a string on the telecaster give me the les paul if i break a string on the les paul give me the telecaster it was like the telecaster was the fill-in no matter what the guitar was like that was the one that worked for everything it's really interesting to watch. Incidentally, that's the guitar he's held on to the longest is his Telecaster because mm. it does everything. Anyway, yeah, I will don't. stop waxing poetic about Telecasters. Now, if if we talk about bridge pickups, and the, obviously the bridge pickup on a Strat is the one that people have the most problems with because <sighs> yes. it is the one that is just goes ping. Um, the di- real difference between that and a Tele bridge pickup is that bass plate. Yeah. I, what I, that? What the bass plate? I was going to say, I know that's the difference. Like, I don't understand why it's the difference. So, right. I, 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 I did a little video of me explaining why I use base plates on some of my strap pickups as well. Down, I went down the beach and did it. Yeah. Um, 
I, shot, I kind of thought it's a middle-aged bloke talking about physics. I want to make a video a bit more interesting. <laughs> so I went down the beach with it and I took two dogs with me. And of course, the dogs just get into trouble. And oh, yeah. one of them tried to eat, one of them tried to eat my clip-on microphone. Anyway, <laughs> and I just, so I went down there to describe it and to draw diagrams in the sand. You know, I thought it's a nice place. Oh, yeah. do that. Anyway, so that's on YouTube. But anyway, basically what that does is you've got, the, with a single coil pickup where you've got the magnet inside the coil, Mm-hmm. With a magnet inside a coil, you always get more kind of percussive highs than if you put steel in the coil and a magnet on the outside like a P90. Right. So okay. P90's got two magnets underneath with some steel conducting that. Like with a humbucker, you've got one yeah. magnet with steel either side conducting it. But with a fender-type pickup, you've got magnets inside the, inside the winding. Gotcha. That makes so, sense. so if you look at it end-on like that, you've got that... Um, Apple core magnetic field shape that high school would have taught you all about. Sure. When you put a steel plate underneath it, it pushes that, it squishes the bottom of that magnetic field up and out around the side. So instead of the, instead of the, instead of the um, pickup hearing a really small about a bit of string, it widens the amount of string it hears. Oh. So you get, yeah, so you're getting less of that. So you get just slightly fuller. It also increases the inductance of the coil, which basically means it gives it a bit more oomph. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that those two things mean you basically get it shifts the EQ slightly. So you take a bit of ping off the top and add a bit of oomph underneath. So there's one pickup I do call a TUI, uh-huh. which is the hotter strap pickup. So there's more windings in it, which also gives you a bit more bottom end. Again, the more, more windings you put on, that shifts the EQ towards the base. Sure. Um, obviously, if you go, if you go too far, you end up with a mushy pickup. Yeah. But, so it's got more windings, and it's got the steel base plate. And that gives so, you a bit more kind of Stevie Ray Vaughan-ish kind of a vibe to it. Yeah, and like I, I almost hate bringing up the Stevie Ray Vaughan thing sometimes because it's like that's what everybody brings up. Like I, I remember in my early days as a blues guitar player, I once had someone – um, uh, liken the tone I was getting to Stevie Ray Vaughan, and I immediately changed everything about my sound. Not because I don't love Stevie, but because it's like that's not that's not everything. Like I was a BB King guy, yeah. so it was like BB King, Albert King. That's what I wanted. Um, somewhere in that area, Freddie King. I I I don't have. I want I want just like the energy Freddie King has in his playing is incredible. But um, but yeah, there's something to that thicker strat tone and i was actually talking to one of my uh patreon supporters we were talking about i had a revelation that in the days of my strat playing i always like gravitated towards the texas special pickups which were supposed to sound like stevie they weren't anything like the pickups that were in stevie's guitar nothing like them whatsoever but also i feel like fender was trying to replicate they were like, okay, Stevie had these pickups into like six amplifiers and this was his sound. How can we get that sound out of one set of pickups into one amplifier? You know what I mean? It's like they're trying to mimic his reaction into, yeah. you know, Marshall Majors turned up with 200 watts kind of thing, which is still everybody talks about the fenders he played, but they forget that he was also used on a 200 watt Marshall that he was peeling paint off the wall of buildings with. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's Steve very Vaughan. It's, it's, it's a great reference tone. And that's is. kind of all we've got. All we've got uh, is a uh, reference tones. 
you know. So we're not talking Mark Knopfler here, you know. No. That's, that doesn't seem to be what you want. Um, so Seagrave Vaughan's a fairly good place to to kind of pitch that. I think the other another thing, one, th- well, another good reference tone for me is I really like Jeff Beck's Strat tone. Jeff Beck gets a not tinny, like there's a there's a smoothness to his tone. It doesn't feel... Now, a lot of that comes to down to his technique, too, because he's a monster technique player. But I really like the sound of his strats. And so, yeah, somewhere in that hey, in-between. Here's somebody, here's somebody for you to go and have a listen to uh, okay. you probably haven't heard of. Black Strat Blues. No, which is no. one word. You'll find him. Yeah, write it down. His last two albums. He, li- he lives in Auckland. He is a phenomenal Strat player. Um... Any, and he he has I've worked on his guitars quite a lot. He plays on, on with the both volume and tone on about seven. Okay. So he's he's and with no treble bleeds like or anything like that. So oh, yeah. he's taking off a lot of that high end with just with it with the guitar controls. And he's got somewhere to go if he wants to come out a bit louder. Um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not so, a treble yeah. bleed fan because like I. When I roll back volume, I want a little of that high end taken off. It's like, no, don't right. give, don't give me the, all that high end, but just quiet. Just, that doesn't work for me. I like it. I like. Really? I like probably a lot. See, yeah. I, it doesn't work for me. I think it's just because it's what I'm used to. So everything else about the way I play and the way I set up is meant for it to be a little darker when I roll back. It's you know everything about my EQ settings, the way I play things. It's like I want that when you roll back a little bit that it gets darker as well. Mm, you use the volume a lot? I do. I, I, I yeah. tend to, um, and it's a skill I developed years ago. I, there was a, a gig I played once where I challenged myself to play the entire night with a fuzz face and never turn the fuzz face off. And so I right. did. And so I, I, that taught me volume control for the entire set. And it, I, I can't even remember who I was playing with that night. And I'm sure they were getting going crazy that you know that was the gig i decided i was going to experiment with this on blues gigs you find a way to entertain yourself right you know you're playing <laughs> you're playing the same 40 blues songs you know three times a week yeah. you got to find something to shake it up a little bit oh interesting interesting yeah and, and why not i mean i've it's from my years of repairing it's funny i always find it funny when you meet someone who doesn't use the volume controls yeah um but they're rarely fender players and of course, on a strat, it's it, you've got to admit, on a strat, the volume is in just the right place. Yes, it really is. It's perfect. Yeah. Actually, and, and, and with Telecasters, I always turn the plate round on tellies and have the volume. There I was as just well. going to say, I just that did works. that to my Telecaster on Sunday. Finally, I I got it. Yeah. I, I got one of the Jason Isbell Telecasters, and um, I've been playing it, getting used to it, and uh, I just swapped the saddles. And while I had it on the bench, I decided, all right, now's the time. Break out the soldering iron, flip the plate around. Because uh, I, I wouldn't have had to break out the soldering iron, except I also obviously wanted to switch the, the flip the switch around so that it was now oriented the right way. And it's just too short a, a wire. So I had to break yeah. out the iron. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but see, with it, with it the conventional way, there isn't room for your finger between the switch and the volume. There's not. So, you keep fouling one up when you're doing the other and it's ah, oh, but turn around. I mean, for me, it just, it's just, it's not quite as good for that. Um, using the tone as a wah. 
Yeah, it puts know? it puts but, the tone knob a little too far back. It's not as not as close as the Strat, and of course, even the Strat volume is even closer than the Telecaster gets when you flip it around. It's it's the the spaces. It's right there under the strings. Now, I do have. I've always had trouble with that volume swell. I can't do the volume swell as well with my hand. I when I was a teenager, I I sliced my wrist, my right wrist, and so uh, the muscles and the nerves there are cut, and so. From about my ring finger to my to the to my pinky side on my right hand, uh, it feels like it's asleep all the time, almost all the time. Over the years, it's gotten a little better. It's not as bad, but it is still pretty numb. So I don't have that uh, feel on the pinky and the ring finger that I feel like is really necessary to be as smooth with the the swells. It it starts out smooth and then speeds up too fast, or it's I don't have that. I don't have that touch for that. So I still use a volume pedal because it's just easier for me. But I still use the volume control to very much level out my my dynamics. You know, we go into a a verse where I've got to lay underneath the vocals and that's where the volume is. Like, I don't just don't just pick softer. Um, It's a combination of all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as the singer opens their mouth, you you need to back off. Yeah, exactly. Especially I find especially with myself, if I'm doing backing vocals as well, um, I find it quite hard to be gentle with a guitar at the same time. Yes. So I've got to back it right off because there's too many things to think about, isn't there? You know, it's and you've got to stand up and remember to breathe and, and, all, the, <laughs> and, all, that, and all that. Yeah. You know, I- the amount of guitars when I was repairing, the amount of guitars that would come in where you'd had the string knocked, you know, knocked against a mic stand, but the string gets bent over the fret, and it was yeah. always singers, always singers, and they never knew they'd done it because they were. <laughs> They've got so much going on in their mind. It's like that thing with the gorilla walks to the room and you don't see it. You know, they, there's too much going on and they haven't known that they've, they've done that. Yeah, because because so. I know when I sing, whether I'm, I'm fronting a band or singing background vocals, um, I'm, I'm remembering lyrics. I'm remembering, you know, other things that I've got going on. I, like, there are players, like, uh, bring a 90s, 2000, Dave Matthews plays these intricate rhythms and parts while he's also singing that is madness and not human. The average person doesn't do that kind of thing. I can't play difficult parts and sing at the same time. Actually, bassists who can stay in time while singing at the same time blows my mind because I can't do it. I, I if I'm playing bass, I am not singing backup on your gig. That is just the that's the rule. I can't do both. Uh, my brain doesn't function that way. So yeah, bang it around. It it, it hits things. Hits a mic stand. That's why they make boom stands that come really far out. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's my thing with strats. Uh, I, mm, I, okay. I, I want, I want a little bit of the the heavier tone of you know a, a little more meat to the tone, like I get with a Telecaster or a P ninety pickup. But I don't want to sacrifice that. Let's be honest, the two and the four position of the strat. That's where you, you you like that one. I do, and that's that's I when I played a strat, I lived in the four position. That was just I I, I took I took solos in the four position. I didn't ever come out of it. it that was it. Um, okay. I, it's only in the last ten years, of my, the last half of my playing life, that I've really started to embrace bridge pickups in general. I avoided them right. for a long, long time. Well, we, if if two and four are really important to you, mm-hmm. then. Definitely not reverse polarity, reverse wound. Oh, really? Yeah, it does. It do, you lose a little bit of that. It's not quite the full Noffler. Okay. If if that if that because you've got these because you've got three pickups 
and that one's that one's got a different polarity to these fellas. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain amount, a teeny little bit of interference between them, and and it does make you you can you can hear that. So don't. I mean, and and where Hum is concerned, I always think, why do you want two settings quieter than the others? You know, <laughs> shield the whole shield the whole bloody thing. Yeah. You know, calm calm it all down. And there you are, sweet ass. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. It it seemed it always seemed a bit funny having a couple you know, a couple of quiet ones. But, um, so my my thought is, neck pickup, it's got to chime. It's got to do that thing that most strap players are really in in that position. I think the middle pickup needs to quack. Yeah, it's got a bit. It's it's a it's a distinctive quack that good pickups have and average pickups. It's just an, it's sound, an underrated don't. position that middle strap yeah. position. A lot of yeah. people over, tend to overlook it. Um, but if you uh, if you hunt around Nashville and watch the guys who know what they're doing, they use that middle position a lot, I a bet. whole lot. I bet. And that, you, yeah, you, and you hear it. You can hear that. It's a it's a, it's a nice little mid range that 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 just sits in the mix. You can just hear it. Um, and then the bridge, the bridge, you know, it's got to be usable. Yeah, because on a stock strat with a standard strat yeah. pickup, it does not feel usable. You go to that position. And it is the stereotypical. <coughs> it is the stereotypical ice picks to the, uh, yeah, ice picks to the ears. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, those. The, um, <coughs> excuse me. Okay. So those three settings, those three pickups, are you know they're quite different. I mean, they're usually usually a, a neck and a middle are actually the same pickup. You know? Yeah. And that and the difference is what part of string they're hearing. Um, but that pickup has to work equally well, you know, in, in both places. Right. Okay. So, so that's so I would, I would look at those, um, the pickup that I make called a Tui, which has that, which is overwound, has the base plate. Um, there's a few, there's a few demos I've got there. One of the, one of them is, um, was actually a, um, an advert for, um, the New Zealand police force. Oh wow! When they, got, when they got this cop, who this cop who's a really, really good blues player, uh, and they made a, a little advert of him. You know, he's got his he's wearing his uniform, and he goes into the recording studio, and then and you know picks up a strat and plays some blistering stuff on it. But they, and they're they're my pickups. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what that's what you should get. Yeah, fact, that's what I should send you. Yeah, I, I that's I'm I'm open to it because I've got to do something because I just I won't pick up my strat anymore. It, it just mm. I I used it for a video recently on TikTok where I did like um, six guitars playing the same riff. Like I used changed nothing else, same amp, same settings. I think I was using an overdrive pedal. I didn't touch anything. All I did was plug in the guitar, play the riff, unplug the guitar, plug in a different guitar, play the riff, all bridge pickup. And when I got to the strat. On the bridge pickup, I started to play and I almost couldn't play the whole riff because it just, it was so bright and so just brash and just, I, I couldn't handle it. And so, um, it's funny though. I do get some comments on that TikTok video. I, I think it had, as of recording this, like 130,000 views or something like that. And as of recording, there are some people on there who said, oh no, the Strat was obviously the best tone of the six guitars. I was like, really what and I'm, whereas i was having trouble playing it because it was so yeah. bright and so i don't even i don't pick up my strat anymore because i can't stand the sound of it i wonder if yeah i see i, I when you, sometimes when you hear gear that's really really toppy 
I do I do wonder if the person that's made it has spent too much time standing next to a drummer. <laughs> you know, Have you know the when cymbals you... crash in their ear for long too long. They don't hear that frequency that's, yeah, anymore. That's my drummer side. Yeah, my drummer side is just not as good. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and of course, um, you know they they say that you know as as men age, they tend to lose the upper end of their mm. hearing first. So that's very real possibility. Also, I think that's why we see it's funny. This is this is me getting slightly controversial. It's like as some of the guitar players who manage to not die young, these legendary players, as they get older, their tone gets tinnier and brighter and. It's because they're just not hearing it the way they used to hear it. And yeah, so, maybe. yeah, I think there's something to it. Uh, you, you know, uh, famously as Cl- uh, Clapton switched from, uh, you know, humbucker guitars to single coil guitars. It, I, and I've said on this podcast before, it's not that controversial. I think his music went downhill when he switched to strats, but that's just me. Um, I don't think it was just the guitar. Um, so, yeah, I... It's that it's at higher end. I've got to tame it somehow. Make that bridge usable, like you said, because you know, ever since I embraced it, I like the sound of that 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 bridge position. Um, and I want it to cut, but I don't want it to just pierce. I don't want it to hurt. Yeah. I'm using all the buzz ter- words. You hear? You see this? I, I feel like I have a list of guitar buzzwords in front of me, and I'm trying to make sure I cover them all. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. What what what? A- what have you What have you got left on your list? Uh, I, I I don't think I've used. Oh no, I can't even say that one. Um, it's just brown, brown. You need to use. Oh brown yeah, is a good brown. One. Oh yeah, but that's well, well that's going to be in our humbucker conversation. Oh, that's where right, that okay. tone comes from. <laughs> because so in so strat, we realized that what my problem is that I I'm not apparently a vintage strat pickup guy. I thought mm. I could be, but I'm not. Um, and I've got to get something essentially something that sounds more telly or P90-ish in the bridge to, to get that sound yeah, out of it. I think so. Um, so let's talk humbuckers then for a second, because I'm curious about your take on humbuckers, PAF versus, you know, modern overwounds or whatever. Um, this uh, guitar behind me, uh, the 137, has, what it, what's in that 137? Classic 57s by Gibson. Um, that's what they were putting in all the, the custom shop guitars in, in like the early two thousands, they were putting the, or at least this style, they were putting the custom, the, the classic 57s and they're dark sounding. They're really dark sounding. Even for humbuckers, they're really dark sounding. Uh, and I feel like they're too dark. Um, what makes, what can make a humbucker Obviously, a little, a little more like a single coil, <laughs> a little more like a P90, a little brighter. Give it a little breath to it. The the way a pickup is wound is really, really important. Um, and I know when people look at the spec of pickups, they will tend to look at the the K ohms. Yeah, the output. Um, yep, yeah, and that's one of about ten factors that's that's that that makes a difference. Um, and that's a guide, but it's not going to. You know, you can't look at a, a humbucker that's, let's say, has 11k ohms, and then look at one that says it's 8k ohms, and go, oh, well, the the bigger number is a more powerful pickup, because right. the chances are it's a completely different gauge of wire. So it's oh. like you're driving along, it's like you're going on the road in your motorbike, and you're going, hey, I'm doing 3,000 RPM, therefore I am traveling at 50 miles an hour. But what gear are you in? Right. You know, if yeah. you know, if you know what gear you're in. Cool. Then that then that then that tells you something. 
Yeah, because then but you're judging you know, apples to apples at that point. You're you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and the chances are, if it's 11K, it's not going to be a WG42 because you physically can't get that much on. It's really hard. Well, you kind of can, but it's it's a bit messy. You know? Yeah. Um. So there's that. That's one thing. The other thing, obviously, is the magnet. Um. My kind of way of describing. I mean, usually there's only Eco Two or only Eco Five. My kind of way of describing the difference is Slash is El Nico 2 and Angus is El Nico 5. Okay. So if you think, I mean, I know they're different, but they're kind of, they're both playing sort of Gibsons and they're both kind of Marshally and you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's a, there's a real, there's a, a real clarity in Slash and there's a grittiness in Angus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's El Nico 2 and El Nico 5. Okay. Um, no, it makes total sense. Um, but then the the real one that gives a pickup its personality is is leakage capacitance, which is how you wind it, which is that whole scatter wind thing that people talk about. Yeah, that that's been a term in the last few years that is thrown out yeah. there a whole lot. Yeah, and what it is, and it's one of these things that I, the first time I heard it as a phrase was was from bare knuckle, okay. um, probably about ten years ago. But when I started winding pickups, there was no internet. And there were no books. You just kind of made it up, really. Um, but I noticed if you wind it, if you wind it really neat and tight, so every turn right next to the one before, it sounds muffled. Really? Because any bit of wire with electricity going through it is going to have a field of capacitance around it. And basically, that one wire and the and its partner next to it will interfere with each other, and it just sounds slightly muffled. So if, if it's wound so that those are a little bit further apart, so if you traverse quickly, what have you, then you get a much, much clearer sound. I would say that the, those Gibson pickups in there, from, and I, I do know them, and they feel to me like they, 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 they would have been better if they weren't quite as neat. Yeah, they're, they're maybe um, a little too, or what they thought was, better made by being organized and because in my head it's like oh no that's how you should do it. it's how you get the most optimal uh, wraps on a yeah. on a set of magnets but obviously yeah. the scat- scatter wound gives you a little more clarity because there's more space between each of the strands of wire which yeah and even when we're talking these tiny tiny spaces of, of this wire this tiny gauge it still makes a massive difference as evidenced by the different sounds that we're mm. getting out of, out of these pickups but what you're doing, I, I know there's there's teeny, teeny, teeny amount of electricity and yeah. everything's really small in there, but you multiply everything by about 10,000 because of the amount of windings you put on. So, you know, it does, the, those teeny things do do make a big difference. Um, and if you listen to, to different manufacturers, like if you listen to bare knuckle pickups, they all have a yeah. sort of personality to them and Gibsons all have a personality, et cetera. And that's, that's kind of the, it's the way they're wound. Yeah. So it's it's not so much the materials or the design, it's the method of manufacture. I mean all all, all three of those things are really important of course. But that that's that sort of character of of, of a pickup. So with the humbucker, if you make it with with a PAF, mm-hmm. you just need it as clear as possible, I think. Yeah, see cuz that's what got- I I like. I like that and it's taken years of playing a bunch of humbucker guitars over the years. I like the the clearer PAF sound. I think some of that does come from the fact that I came from a Strat to Gibsons, mm. and I didn't want to sacrifice the clarity, but I did want 
Um, I just wanted a little more. What's what's my next buzzword? Uh, chunkiness. There we go. Chunky. Okay. I wanted I wanted a little more of that, but I didn't want it to sound like I put a blanket over my amp. I've got a question for you. For you, I know you should be ask, asking the questions, but no, it's I'm fine. taking over here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first guitar sound that you heard that that just got you? First guitar sound that really just got me. Um, and we're gonna go back to Stevie Ray Vaughan. So okay, it turns out. So is that is that the sound in your head still as a good? Because that for me, mm-hmm. it was it was Malcolm Young. Yeah, and there's been lots a lot since, but so I've got this theory that the first sound that you that really really you know your first love in sounds never leaves you. So it was, and I I can pinpoint. It's really funny to tell this story because uh, I don't think I've actually told this one on the on the podcast. But um, and I, I really think there's a magic in this performance that I'm going to reference. Um, it's that so set the scene. I was a a teenager. I was probably eighteen, nineteen years old. Um, I'd fallen asleep in the living room at home, um, at you know my parents' house, uh, home from college, and woke up for some reason. I had fallen asleep with the TV on. It was on PBS, the Public Broadcast Network, both station, and I woke up middle of the night, three a.m., and they were airing Stevie Ray Vaughan's second uh, Austin City Limits performance, and it was the second taping. It was the one where after he had gotten clean and sober. And he was unfortunately not far away from his untimely death, but it was the, he was clean and sober. He he was at the highest level of his performance as a player and as a singer. Um, and I heard that. And up until then I had only played acoustic guitar and like strummed electric guitar, like never actually like played electric guitar. And I woke up out of a dead sleep and just stared completely and utterly transfixed at this performance. And that was when I thought, oh, that's what electric guitar is about. And so that was right. that was what... And it turns out it's funny. Um, both John Mayer and Derek Trucks cite that same performance for them as a pivotal moment in their electric guitar journey. Um, so it's... I And they're not the only ones. I throw them out there because they're huge names, obviously. But there's a... A running theme of players around my age, both famous and not, who that performance was a a turn a keystone for them in their journey, and so mm. yeah, it was that performance uh, that that kind of solidified the sound of electric guitar. And like you said, there's been times since then. Like for example, I really came to appreciate um, that Albert King, uh, you know, bridge pickup amp crank to 11 and somehow reverb up to 12 um just like piercing without being awful you know what i mean mm. um he he could cut he had that he had that he was in the mix you couldn't mistake it and it came out you know flying v into whatever amp he was using at the time cranked to as loud as it could go yeah. and those sounds are what ultimately drove my idea of guitar tone um but yeah, Stevie. So that was the first one, Stevie. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, well, just a theory I had that that it's um, it 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 shapes your taste forever. Yeah, I and I definitely think that because, for example, uh, when you ask guitar town, guitar tone, or sounds, my brain I can still hear that that sound of that 
that show that I've, I have the DVD of that performance. I still hear his sound and that sound on that show is different from his album tone, different from other performance of his I've heard. And I can't always just recall the tone of a particular guitar player in my yeah. head. Like I don't have a, you know, you say Jeff Beck's tone, tone. I don't actually have a song that I instantly think of. I don't instantly think of mm. a particular performance. Same thing with, you know, Clapton, Angus Young, Slash. Actually, Slash, I 100% think of November Rain. I don't care what anybody says. That that solo on November Rain is so great. Um, but, you know, it's there There are those touchstone figures of tone that I, I do think are in my head as, as I start looking at what my sound is like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably why I landed on P90s as my favorite pickup. Because... That they gave me that in between, um, but I've, it's funny. I've never had a problem finding the right P ninety either. I've oh. I've gone through a bunch of P nineties and I love them all. I've never I've never had a P ninety and I just thought, oh, that is garbage. You know that doesn't work for me. It's like the sound of all P nineties work, but not all humbuckers and not all single coils have worked for me. And and um, and why should they? Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't. You don't need to like strats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell that to strat players. They're like, no, it's what, the perfect somebody, guitar. Somebody told me the other day they view the Stratocaster as a transitional guitar between the Tele and the Jazzmaster. Ooh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hot take. I know. I mean, you wouldn't say that in public, would you? Yeah, I mean, no. you, you let it that bit. You let it that bit out, of course. Yeah. Well, no, I, we just won't say the name. I'll edit out their name. You totally named right. them. We've, I've totally edited that. No, actually, we, you didn't name it. <laughs> and my listeners know I don't edit this thing. If I can avoid it, I don't, I don't edit this show. We are, we are completely uncensored. But, and the, but there's a thing, there is a thing to the Strat sound. And like, mm. sometimes you do, you need that tone or, Maybe you don't need it. Like there are a lot of players who play their whole careers and never use a strat. That's not a thing. Like if if I ever saw Slash playing a strat, I would probably come unglued. It it I'm sure somebody's gonna post a picture at this point now where they would like tag me in as like, here's Slash playing a strat. But he'd probably sound like himself with it though. Yeah. But then if you take a player like like Jim Campilongo, mm-hmm. it'd be hard, I find it hard to imagine him without with a non telecaster. Yeah, I, I'm i trying to think of another player that I definitely would have a very hard time pick, hearing them on any other guitar. I, there's actually a ton of Strat players that I have a hard time imagining them playing anything else like than a Strat. Um, I'll go, I'll go yeah. back to Beck, even though I know Beck had years where he played a bunch of other guitars. Yeah. He's kind of quintessential Strat to me. Not, you know, to me, he's not. Really? It sounds... So that that sound for me isn't anything to do with the equipment. Like with some players, it is. Oh, but yeah. with Jeff Beck, it's just that he's doing half a dozen things at any one time. You know, I mean, he needs a tremolo arm. Yeah, absolutely. And, does. A volu- and, and, and an accessible volume control. Um, but having said that, you know, I'm sure he'd be <laughs> fine. He'd be fine without it. Eh? But uh, I mean, he played a te- no, famously played a Telecaster for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just reading that the book on the, the Telecaster book. Um, what's his name? Tony Bacon's book on the telly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I got it for Christmas. It's really good. Cool. Oh, nice. and, and, and there's lots of Jeff Beck in there. Yeah, no, do do 
Yeah. yeah. I had, um, yes, I had an opportunity at a gig. I think I've, I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was playing a show, a small bar, you know, uh, in a, in my hometown, which is kind of a, it's a tourist trap town for the blues. I'm from Clarksdale. Where is, where, where is that? Where, where are you? I'm from Clarksdale, Mississippi. So that's okay. Clarksdale is where, uh, Ike Turner, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, Sam Cooke, they're all from Clarksdale. Wow. Um, and so it's like a, it's, it's a major seat of blues tourism at this point now. It's, it's, uh, anyway, neither here nor there. I'm pl- I was playing a bar there. Um, and I'm, I'm playing, I don't even remember what guitar I had at the time, but I was playing through a Mesa boogie. Um, and this guy comes in between sets and it's like, Hey, I brought this, I got this really cool guitar that, that I'd like you to check out. Like, you know, guitar players talking guitars, right? So he pulls out this guitar and he shows it to me, opens the case and it's a no caster. It's a 1951 no caster. Really? And I was like, Oh man, that's, that's awesome. This is a reissue, right? He said, no, it's not a reissue. And uh, I picked it up, played it for a little bit, had a super thick neck on it. And I was like, man, this is super cool. He said, you can, you can play next set with it if you want. I was like, yes. So I played the next set with a no caster into a Mesa boogie. It's like, um, and it was one of the wildest experiences of my life. And yeah, telecasters, like there's something about them. I, I don't know. It's sort of like, I feel like Fender nailed the the perfect bass when he created the the p bass and i feel like he made like the most versatile guitar on his first attempt with yeah. the with the telecaster yeah. i'm with i'm with you i mean my i do i do two telly sets it's funny you know with the whole the whole pickup thing like i do two strat sets i do two telly sets there might be another strat set at some point in the future mm-hmm. but i do variants on them so you could have the vintage one Overwound by five percent or ten percent or underwound by five percent. Now I could call out four pickups. Yeah, but it just makes it really hard for people to buy stuff. Yeah, like absolutely. Go, oh my god, I've got all these things. All these cho- I know. I mean, Duncan have twelve hundred pickups in their range. <laughs> god, like, I know. So there you are, going. Oh, I need a pickup. <laughs> Good luck. So, um, so with the telly, I do. I do two. So I do one, which is, you know, the lower powered. Most like most tellies, and there's one which is called the Cruel Mistress, which I think, which I'm really name, I'm really proud of. Actually, <laughs> I think Cruel Mistress is a great name for a telly. It is, um, yeah, and that's and that's quite a difference. It's got a bit more oomph in it. It's still very Telecaster, but it's it's like that Tui Strat pickup I was describing. It's got it'll it'll grit up more. It'll do more stuff because it's interesting if you look at even Fender's demos of new Telecasters. They're not people playing country. No, because because the, you know the Telecaster doesn't have to be. A, it's it's been pigeonholed at some point, and which it didn't start that way. It sure is sure no. as hell didn't start that way. I mean, Jimmy Page started out on a Telecaster. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, Zeppelin started but, yeah. with a Telecaster. Um, yeah. and uh, actually, there's a really great video. Um, five watt world. Uh, over there, they, they did a video on the the guitars of Jimmy Page, and they do a lot of talk about his Telecaster and the the, right. the joys of of like it was such a great video to watch. Except now, I want to put a B bender in one of my Les Pauls. So that's yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna do it probably, uh, but you know, they told the story of Jimmy putting the B bender in his Les Paul, and it was like 
I never thought about putting a B-bender in a Les Paul. I was like... Yeah, to take a lot of wood out of it. Yeah. yeah. You, you only see it in a Telecaster, obviously. Two but. and a half inches thick. But I, if, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up and send that, because ben, ben Fulton from Red Witch Pedals is a massive Jimmy Page fan. Oh, yeah. He'll want to watch this. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Page is, is the sound in his head. Uh-huh. Um, well, and for me, I yeah. came to Zeppelin late in life, like after, because I grew up as a, I grew up as a country listener, I, because like my first music was on record and eight track, you know, in the early, early, uh, late eighties, actually, I was probably about nine, 10 and I put together the stereo that was in the closet. Like they had stuffed like the, the component speakers and everything in the closet and it was all still there, so I figured out, luckily, it was color-coded. Red went to red, black went to black. You know what I mean? When I was putting the speakers together, because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I put on, like, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard and Patsy Cline, because that's what we had at the house. And I got into that stuff, um, got into really, really into Garth Brooks. I'm not apologetic about it. I still, to this day, love Garth Brooks. I don't care what anybody says. Um, got really into 90s country uh, then I got really into uh, all the stuff that was coming out, like Wallflowers, Hootie and the Blowfish, that sort of rootsier side of pop rock that was going on at the time there. And uh, But then I had a friend, Marshall, this, the same friend, still plays Telecaster to this day. Uh, he turned me on to Led Zeppelin, and from there that changed. Like I was Led Zeppelin and Black Crows, that's who he introduced mm. me to back to back. And that was when I learned what rock and roll was. And, and why people dug it as much. And so Jimmy Page is still one of those like major, major influences mm. in, into me, the way sound guitar sound. And yeah, yeah. right. Because uh, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the solo from Stairway to Heaven is famously a Telecaster, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Telecaster. Uh, and you can hear it. And once you, once you, once you know that, you go, oh, I can hear that bite. And you know, the, the, just that bitey attack thing that. Yeah, of course it's a telly. There's some really interesting solos out there that are recorded on guitars that people don't think realize they are. For example, um, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix is a Telecaster. Not a Strat. It? It's a Telecaster. Oh, I've got to listen to that again. Yeah, listen to it right. again. You'll hear it immediately. The Once you know and know that you're listening for that, yeah. you realize it. It's a Telecaster. Um, and obviously... Yeah. You know, he played a bunch of guitars. Everybody else associates him with the Strat, obviously. But, you know, he famously played Flying Vs. He played a bunch of other yeah. stuff. And, um, uh, and of course, there's the Gilmore um, Comfortably Numb solo, I think. Everybody thinks is a Strat. It's actually a Les Paul of P90s. Mm, and right. Yeah. So, it, ultimately, it comes down to, and, and I this is the way I always think of this kind of thing. Ultimately, it comes down to the listener is going to hear the music. They are not going to sit there and analyze, oh, unless you're like me. and the, Oh, that was obviously, you know, a 57 yeah. Strat uh, yeah. with the with the gray bottom pickups uh, and blah, 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 blah. They're going to yeah. hear the solo. And it matters to you as a player. It matters to us. And I have this conversation about pedals, too. Everybody's like, oh, but, you know, there's 17 different pedals that all do the same thing. Yeah, but does it inspire you to play? Do you like playing it? Does it? have that little mm. bit that makes you like it more. Um, yeah. Because lately I've realized the thing that makes me inspired to play like certain pedals more than others is because I like the person who made it more. I mean, like I, there are some really awesome people in this industry and I actually f have a joy knowing that, 
you know, I know the guy who made this pedal and I appreciate who he is. And therefore I like this pedal more despite it probably yeah. sounding the same or as good as any other pedal out there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, I, I really like JHS pedals. Um, I've never played one. Really? But, but I just, I just think I just like Josh's videos. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. You go, and, and I like, you know what? It feels like there's a, there's a sense of community yeah. that he's really into. And it's funny, from from watching some of his, I, I, I thought, well, what can we do to create more community in New Zealand? Because I, I, want, I want people here to consider buying New Zealand-made gear first. Gotcha. You know, rather than go, oh, it's overseas stuff. It must be better than, than Kiwi made. So, um, and for that reason of getting to know people, I, I, I made this YouTube series called Mr. Glynn Meets Your Maker, where I just have a <laughs> that's chat. A, that's, like, a great, that's a great title. <laughs> but uh, where I have a chat with people like we're doing now with like Ben Fulton from Red Witch sure. and other, other guys, um, just to give people a chance to see them you know, from a different angle and to hear that they do know what they're talking about. And um, Yeah, so I haven't done Paul Crowder yet. Yeah, no, um, you got to do that. But, uh, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to give Paul a, a call on. I just haven't. I was sort of hoping to run into him, but there haven't been any gigs for a long time here. Yeah. So, because oh. um, he, he often you often run into him doing sound at gigs and, and things. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to phone him up. Yeah. Um, well, it's you know so, yeah. it's similar. Um, it's something I really like about what Joe Branton does over at the Guitar Nerds. Um, he really has made an effort to build up UK brands. He's really making an effort to find the UK builders yeah. that are doing something interesting and cool. And from him, I've discovered. Uh, folks like Matt over at Fidelity Guitars and some of the other makers in the UK that maybe they're not as well known over in the US and yeah. and sort of stymieing that stigma a little bit that it's got to be US made for it to be good like because there's yeah. there are great builders everywhere there, yeah. there are great builders doing awesome yeah. things everywhere you know we, we did a I did a great chat with um, Aiden from Archetype Guitars he's in is in New Zealand and we're having a chat like this and halfway through he goes, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. His cat had brought a live bird in. <laughs> I mean, we kept, we kept recording it <laughs> while he, while he sorted that out. It was brilliant. Absolute yeah. gold. You can't, you can't plan for stuff like that. You know? No, you just have fun with it. That's why I don't, that's why I don't script things. Listeners. I yeah. don't, it's not worth it. It's better to just see what ends up happening. The best conversation. Just make it up. Yeah. The best yeah. conversation, the ones that you never meant to have. Um, yeah. they just sort of came out and, and that's the cool thing. And the, the community I've discovered in, in the gear world as you know, I'm relatively new to this and you know, 2020 happened. And my original idea was for a podcast was I wanted to focus on Mississippi music and Mississippi musicians and the community here in Mississippi. And well, it's kind of hard to do that in the middle of a pandemic. And yeah. so, yeah, because originally my plan was to travel and go hang out with musicians, record it, put it out, you know, do the thing. Um, and eventually by, I think I put out my first episode in November of 2020, I had just gotten, I just had all this gear and I was like, nothing was getting done. It didn't look like we were coming out anytime soon. So I was like, I'm just going to start recording things. And mm. since then it's been really the, the community around the gear world has been really embracing. Like, um, I can just message people on Instagram and they actually respond and I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Let's do that. Let's talk. You know, we'll do things. And I've met yeah. some really incredible people. It's how we connected Instagram, yeah, yeah. literally Instagram. So yeah. um, it's a it's a great community. And I like the idea of trying to find those 
other builders that maybe aren't getting the recognition or they're not out there um, and, and building them up and building. Cause that's what Josh has done an incredible job of done. He's built yeah. this huge community now where people are dialed in and invested and he, he's wrecked the market on Behringer pedals and um, you know, other things like that. And, and there have to be people who like Joe in the UK and like you're trying to do in New Zealand and build up those communities around them that yeah. aren't getting the exposure that maybe they need. Cause like I said, I didn't even yeah. know red, Witch was from New Zealand had no idea. There you go. Lovely but, bloke, Ben. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and also the thing is, there's also something in it. Like I'm doing this series. I need to do a few more of them, but what's in it for me is we don't talk about my stuff at all, Yeah. but I'm in every episode. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting there asking folks stuff like you are, you know, it's quite, it's really interesting. Yeah. And some of the acoustic guitar makers are fascinating. Because you can, you know, really, you've got the guy there, so yeah. you can ask him all about. Oh, there's a there's a bloke who makes resonators in um, northern north part of South Island, and he, he spins his own cones. What? So, so, yeah. So how do you do that? So you get to ask all these questions, you know? Yeah, that's com- see, and resonators are on my brain lately because I I sold off my resonator last year because it was a spider cone resonator and it was not the sound I needed. So now I'm in like this hunt. You know, with no money right now, but I'm gonna yeah, eventually. Eventually, I'm gonna put some money back and and buy a resonator. And there's the easy out. I've talked to this with some of my listeners and my Patreon supporters. Uh, I say the easy out, see expensive out, but I could go. I could put an order in for a Mule resonator, which is um, don't get me wrong, they're making incredible guitars. So my next statement is not a degradation of them, but they do seem sort of like the resonator du jour. It's the, it's the right. one everybody's talking about and they're great guitars, but there's gotta be some other folks out there doing some interesting things. So I, I will send you, I will send you a link. A Russ, Russ, Oh, Metson. I think it's Matt. Anyway, I've got, I've got uh, on my YouTube, uh-huh. there's one of him and really, uh, I mean, think, Think before you 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 watch it because there's a little slideshow for some of his work and um, and yeah there's you, you you'll probably fall in love straight away. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, they I, really are cool. Yeah, because I, I I as a blues player, I love the sound of resonators. I love playing slide mm-hmm. on resonators. Uh, I got a cheap resonator. It was a it was a Hound Dog Dobro resonator, which is fine. It it gave a little bit of that sound, but it's a it was a spider cone resonator, so it was very much more that bluegrass sort of, um, once again, bright kind of push forward sound. Whereas I want not brown enough. Yeah, yeah, not brown enough. <laughs> um, definitely didn't have enough of. A, let's see, come on, some more blue stars. Swampy. It wasn't swampy enough. Ooh. Yeah, let's go with that one. Uh, gonna, like it. I'm running out of buzzwords. Um, I haven't used crunchy yet, but that I don't feel like that's fit yet. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I want some more of that like swampy think, you know, like New Orleans, Mississippi musics that like whatever you just heard in your head when you think swampy Mississippi, New Orleans music, that's the sound I want out of a resonator. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Have, have, have a look. Have a look at his stuff. So, um, yeah. And what's really cool, I think, I think everyone enjoys the process of, of talking to the person that makes the gear. Yeah. You know, and I had, a, I had this lovely exchange with somebody about a year ago who'd, who'd, who'd bought some of my pickups and there'd been a bit of a back and forth to begin with and then he settled on a on a I can't watch which which ones he bought a set and then he put them in his guitar loved them got back to me and he said 
what he really enjoyed about the process, he said, when he used to read Guitarist magazine when he was a kid, there'd be a rock star, and the rock star would talk to, uh, talk to you know, whoever, and they'd made an amplifier, you know, a signature model. And he said it felt like that to him, talking yeah. to the maker. And I had to think about it and thought, actually, it felt like that to me as well. Yeah, isn't that awesome? From the other side of it. So it's really cool for everybody. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where I sort of, I love that aspect, um, even when it's not, you know, maybe at that, like, for example, I have a, I have a Novo. Uh, I don't know if you checked out Novo oh, guitars. Cool. I, yeah, I, I love the look of them. Yeah, oh, it's they're the best playing necks I've ever played ever. Right. And I had I had squirreled away money. I had planned on it, since I turned thirty. I knew that when I turned forty, I wanted to buy like a, a real like I was going to spend some real money on a guitar. Right. My original plan was I was going to get an ES one seven five, which I want still to this day. But okay. um. I got closer to my 40th birthday and I pivoted like last second and decided, you know what? No, I really, I love the 175, but I really want one of these. I had played one at Chicago Music Exchange in like 2016, something like that. And I was like, no, that's what I want. So I ordered one. I got it. And uh, it was the most money I've ever spent on a piece of gear ever. Um, and... Actually, it's the most money I'd spent on anything that wasn't a car, a house, or a degree. And so, but they are the best playing guitars I've ever touched. There's there's nothing that plays like one. You know, you know, whoever dies with the most gear wins. Oh, well, Joe Bonamassa has kicked yeah. all our asses then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he, he wins. <laughs> it's game over. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, he built oh, well. a whole separate house just for his gear. Yeah. <laughs> so we're done. Yeah, uh, we're, no, we're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we're all playing for the participation trophy at the end. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Also ran. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, one awesome. Seven, one seven fives are interesting. I, I, big guitars are. I don't know. I've got I've got an L five copy, Ooh. which I do take out every now and again. Um, but it's I don't know. It's big. It's like it's like. It's like a mate of mine borrowed it, and he said, "It's like if you crossed a grizzly bear with a wardrobe." <laughs> you know, it's this huge, big, brown, cumbersome thing. Yeah. Well, when I came but, to um, playing uh, uh, semi hollows, uh, I got a one thirty seven and a one thirty five right now. Um, I, 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 those are just what I stumbled across because I couldn't, you know, at the time I couldn't afford a new like 335, which is obviously what I really wanted because it's what all my blues heroes played was a 335. But came across a 135, had the right deal, bought it, love it, and I got really used to that bigger guitar. Now, a 135 and a 137 have the shape of a 175, but are right. semi hollow, so they're 335 thickness. Um, actually, I think the 137 is a little thicker, but I found that after playing, I played, uh, let's see, I, I probably had a Strat or, you know, a, a import Strat or Tele, even if it's a made in Mexico, come in and out of the guitar rotation a little bit, but I always had those two semi-hollows. Those were my guitars, the ones up on the wall behind me. Um, for, I don't know, seven years, they were all I played or so. And I found that when I went to play a smaller guitar, the smaller guitars were hard to play. 
because it changed the angle my hand sits on the bridge. It changed the angle of the pick. It changed everything about where my hands would sit on the guitar when I was playing it. So suddenly I'd go for licks and completely miss strings or I'd go for, you know, improv. I wasn't as good because the muscle memory's there, but the guitar is not. It's not where it should be. For yeah. Me. But also, if you're going to play a bolt-on afterwards, you've got the body thickness, then you've got the height of the tunematic. Yep. And then you've got the angle and back neck. It's, and it's, it, yeah, so all that, all that geometry is different. It all changes. And so it, it's very much a, it's a, it's a game of adapting quickly when you decide to switch mm. guitars, if you're going to switch. Um, so that was another thing that made strats harder to play, although I've sort of tackled that, gotten back used to them. But they're all four different things. Yeah. You know, there's just... I talked to someone the other day and, and you know, what string gauge you use on what guitar, you know, and oh, the perception yeah. that you might, you might use 11s on a Gibson and 10s on a Fender and that evens it up. I mean, I go the, I, I do the opposite because they're not the same instrument. No. You know, I think, I think a Fender is a percussion instrument and a Gibson is a melodic instrument, kind of more, more that way. Yeah. So I, my, my tendency is to use 11s on Fenders and 10s on Gibsons. I am traditionally an 11s on Gibson's, 10s on Fender's player, except that, for example, um, I have 11s on the 137, but because I added a Bigsby to it and it gives it that longer string length, um, I'm not going to lie, I could probably go up to 12s on it because it plays slinkier. Um, My Telecaster, I put 10s on because uh, it's the, the Jason Isbell, but I put new saddles on. And the saddles are thicker i use a, a company called bensonite products i don't know if you've seen them uh check no. them check them out on reverb i don't even think they have a shop otherwise they're on instagram they're on reverb i don't think they have a shop otherwise except through reverb they make these really awesome giant barrel sized brass saddles for telecasters that are the groove in them they're compensated for one thing but the groove is big enough that the st- screws for the height adjustment don't come out through the top. So it's a rounded, smooth profile on top. So when you put your palm down on it, you don't get the digging in your palm that you get with a standard barrel from a Telecaster. Mm -hmm. And so I swapped to those. Well, guess what? Now the tens don't feel the same as they felt on the Telecaster before I changed the saddles. Why would that be? I don't know, but they feel slinkier than they did before. They were stiffer with the other saddles. Okay. And I I genuinely have no idea. That makes no sense. It shouldn't be that way. But I played that guitar because I did a video. I have a video on on YouTube of the sound because I wanted to record the sound before I changed the saddles and then after I changed the saddles. And the sound is, uh, I'll be honest, they sound about the same because I went from brass to brass. I just went to more brass Mm. with the new version. Um, They're... I didn't do some scientific experiment about sustain. Maybe it sustains more because there's more mass on the saddle now. I don't know. But same strings before and same strings. I put new strings, but the same strings after, and it feels different. Mm. And that is really, really important to feel. Yeah. You know, it's like pedals and amplifiers. I like old, simple valve amplifiers because they feel better than something like a a line six or a modeling something or other and it's not the sound because if you record a modeling amp they sound great yeah they sound fantastic it just doesn't it just doesn't to me doesn't feel right 
and 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 pickups are the same. And I, I, it's just not talked about with pickups how a pickup feels. You know how how. I don't want to slag anyone off here, so I won't. Um, but it's has some pickups just don't feel like they're with you. Yeah, and it's like a valve. I mean, of course, it's not something you can demo. It's not something you can really. I don't you know. Can't even it just sounds it. like you can't it even just explain. Sounds it. Like, yeah, it sounds like wishy-washy bollocks, doesn't it? But um, there's a phrase for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'll be the title for uh, this episode: wishy-washy bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do that. I won't do that. But but um, yeah. I, I went it's, through it's, the it's I went through the Helix the Line Six Helix thing and mm. um, played them for a while. Uh, I had one for two and a half years. Played a bunch of gigs with it, and it was great. It worked wonderfully. It sounded great. Um, it was convenient, a hundred percent convenient, mm. especially for a lot of the gigs I was playing at the time. But in the end, didn't feel the same. Didn't inspire me the same. Yeah. Whereas yeah. don't there are tons, especially in this generation where you know I'm 41 now, and there's an entire generation of guitar players right now who have never played tube amps. They've only played modelers or you know, solid state amps, or you know what I mean. There's there's a bunch, or there's gonna there's going to be a bunch who may have never even played an amp. They've always played directly into interfaces or directly into a line six HX stomp or something like that. And there needs to be a, there needs to be a charity for them. Doesn't it <laughs> help the, help the valveless. Well, I was going to say, yeah. it's like that they are getting inspired to play just as much as, mm. you know, old tube amplifiers are inspiring me to play. Um, and it's, it's all about what makes you want to play, what makes you play better because doesn't mean it's a better piece of gear. It just means it connects with you. Just like all of us mm. like reading different books, all of us like listening to different music, we have different things that make us want to do the thing we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, things that change the way you play or the way you feel about it, even things like the length of your strap. Like, I, I, I like a really long strap. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know it's harder to play. Yeah. But I think I play better. Because I, I think I think I am cooler. I think I look. I mean, you know, you I'm do. 55. I am not cool, and 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 I certainly don't look cool on stage. But I feel I do look cooler, and therefore I think I play cooler because I got a long strap that makes it more awkward. <laughs> Confidence is everything, and yeah. for me, I'm the opposite. Uh, I I like the way long straps look, but I know that the wrist angle for me does not work, and it it throws me off. So I, I don't, I don't play full on like, you know, neck hugger, but, um, you know, I play higher up because I know that that's where my arms fall and that's where it's comfortable to them. I know I don't look cool. <laughs> so that's just is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I have my thumb, I have my thumbs over the top just about all the time. Oh yeah. And I, I'm still not good at that. I, my hands just don't allow it. I've got this massive palm that just wrapping my hand around the neck it's it's got to be a pretty small neck for me to get my thumb over comfortably um mm. which also probably means i don't like that neck anyway so by the time oh, they get really? that small yeah like so you I wouldn't like, like a, you wouldn't like a sort of fender l series style neck no no i need i like i like okay. thicker necks on guitars it's just and it's it comes completely down to that's just what over the years i've developed it discovered is the most comfortable to me i can adapt to them i can play them um but it's the reason i don't play paul reed smith guitars 
I, me and the next on Paul Reed Smith, the guitarist, have never gotten along. Um, what about what? What about other aspects of Paul Reed Smith? Uh, it comes down to that inspiring thing again. Like Paul Reed Smith makes incredible guitars. There, there's no question there. I don't think anybody's going to argue that he doesn't make incredible guitars. His company doesn't make incredible guitars. Um, they don't inspire me. I, I don't look at mm. them and think I really want to play that guitar. Like I really want, I, I, nothing about them makes me want to play them. And that's not a hate. That's not shade. That is my impression uh, without even thinking about it. I don't want to play a Paul mm. Reed Smith guitar. Yeah. Yeah. With, with me, I'm, 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 I'm like, you. I cannot fault them in any way yeah. apart from they don't excite me. That's it. They don't excite me. But I'd say the same for Taylor Acoustics, and I'd say the same for modern Yamaha electric guitars. Um, whereas like the old Yamahas, like an SA60 or something, I get very excited about those. But, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, and I don't know why. And I, I, I can't figure it out, which is fine, because yeah. they're quite expensive, and not wanting an expensive <laughs> thing is, is a good. That's it's good, perfectly really. acceptable. Well, with, with, <laughs> I'm the same way with Taylor's, but for me, it's just there's a, there's a tone to Taylor guitars I don't like. I don't, I don't, I, they play incredibly. They, they, they they all play great. They have like a, they have something in the top end that I don't like. There's like a, it's, it's not thinness in the same way that the Strat has the thinness that we were talking about earlier. There's, Mm. but there's a, oh, these are terrible terms. There's like a, a paperiness. That's a terrible adjective, but I'm going to go with it. It's like this papery thinness, like, delicateness to Taylor tone that I don't like because I like Martin and Gibson acoustic guitar. Yeah, sounds. Okay. So that's yeah. what, when I'm wanting acoustic guitar sounds, I want that mid range and that low mid range that Taylor's typically don't have. They don't do it. Um, I did play one at some point in a shop that I picked it up and I played it. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is a Taylor that sounds like a Martin. And which ultimately might be the perfect guitar if you can find a Martin that plays like a Taylor. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Martin that plays yeah. like a Taylor. Yeah. Uh, but they don't exist. Yeah. But I tell you no, what, we're, we've gone a little long, and I want to wrap this up, and we're going to go oh, over sure. to the Patreon episode um, and talk a little more about uh, a little more about pickups, a little more about you know getting into guitar repair and luthery because I've got some Patreon supporters who are really getting into um, fixing their own guitars or repairing guitar uh, other people's guitars. Or uh, I've got a Patreon supporter who right now is in the midst of putting together a uh, set neck Les Paul kit. So maybe we can offer yeah. him some tips on getting that thing up and playable and uh, in the best shape it can be in. But in the meantime, we're going to sign off here. And uh, listeners, thank you for hanging out, listening, watching, whatever you're doing. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, uh, get into our Facebook group, get into our Discord server if you're into Discord. Um, Have conversations, open up, ask me any questions, reach out. You know how to get a hold of me. I'm super easy to find. 40wattpodcast.com, patreon.com slash 40wattpodcast. Um, and until I see you again or you hear my voice again, uh, be good to yourselves, be kind to each other, and try to make some noise.
This episode is brought to you by the supporters of 40 Watt Podcast over on Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash 40 Watt Podcast, where for as little as $3 per month, you can help support the podcast and get every episode ad-free. For $5 a month, you'll get every episode ad-free as well as a bonus episode every week. I can't overstate how thankful I am for the support of my patrons and hope you'll consider joining the team and helping keep this show on the road.